0: Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Palato
1: from MediaMonarchy.com. Tragically ruined with a terrific explosion. We've got that story plus media most foul. But first, U.S. coronavirus outbreaks spurred debate over personal freedoms. And this has been essentially the central debate of the age of medical martial law. This coming from the Associated Press. When the coronavirus flared in China this week, The country canceled flights, suspended reopenings, and described the situation as extremely grave. But with cases rising in some U.S. states, local officials have balked at even requiring people to wear masks. In the United States, which has the most reported cases and deaths in the world, authorities are wrestling with balancing demands for constitutional rights and personal freedom, with warnings from health officials that being lax will have deadly consequences. China's response to about their 137 new cases amounted to actually a fraction of the number some U.S. states are seeing each day, they claim, in Arizona. More than 1,100 people visited emergency rooms on Tuesday, just a couple days ago, June 16th, alone with positive or suspected cases on Tuesday alone. Alabama also fast running out of hospital space, leading to impassioned debate over whether to require masks. Other states that haven't mandated face coverings, like Texas and Florida, are also seeing infections soar, with masks becoming... A political symbol again as your lamestream news is usually always gonna be behind the curve it's definitely already long been a political symbol Pepsi presidential candidate creepy Joe Biden is taking aim at swamp things approach to the scandemic the mask debate playing out nationwide notably in hard-hit states where face coverings have become a political and cultural debate the article then goes through all these second-wave cases in Arizona and Florida which, of course, is going to make for, you know, Major League Baseball impossible. Plus, Texas, uh, Texas, Alabama wraps up, of course, with some freedom lip service. Some city leaders voiced concern about trampling on people's rights. I think to make somebody do something or require somebody to wear something is an overreach, Montgomery, Alabama Councilman Brantley Lyons said. Meanwhile, European nations, which embarked on a wide-scale reopening last week, Watched Asia and the Americas with
0: trepidation. James, how is your trepidation going over there in Asia? Oh, it's uh, there's trepidation to go around and some despair. Uh, Yeah, so first of all, please remember who told you about the second wave and how it was going to be framed. It was... Here on this program, we talked about it before. The second wave is coming and you will be blamed for it. This is, it's been set up for months and months. They've been planning this and setting it up. In fact, they even talked about this in Event 201. So it should be no surprise that it is starting to come to fruition via more statistical chicanery and what have you, of course. But at any rate, they are trying to make this real. And I'm taking the international look at this. So I see the, uh, the rollout of the, the, the full court press for China... The second wave is hitting China and Beijing is locking down again. And all of this coverage, this breathless coverage about the way Beijing is uh, responding to the second wave that's apparently originating from China once again for some reason that remains mysterious. And so uh, I think there's a couple of things to note about this. One is that embedded in all of the coverage about China and what they're doing about this is the implicit assumption once again that man, it's so great. Look at the way they can completely lock down entire neighborhoods and weld people into their homes and do whatever they need to do. If only we could do that over here. Uh, That is definitely going to be part of this. And secondarily, as you noted, of course, there has been mass unrest and kickback against the wearing masks and things like that in America. Well, guess what? After the second wave comes, and it's even worse than the first... You will be more compliant. And then the third wave and the fourth wave and however many waves it takes to absolutely kick uh, any resistance to the curb is exactly what they're going to do. They've told us since the beginning of this crisis, this is what's going to happen. Lockdown and release, lockdown and release, lockdown and release. It's the pattern that they've established and we're watching it happen. So remember... Remember that they've told you about this, remember that this is part of the plan, this is designed to wear people's resistance down to the agenda. It is coming, so brace yourself.
1: And as we've been saying, the the mechanisms for this new announcement of control again they've been setting it up for the last 20 plus years they're just now sort of again announcing it again your phone didn't just suddenly gain the ability to be tracked and traced all the time it's always been there not a bug it is a feature and that again yeah that all ties in james you you've nailed it exactly gosh isn't it's great how china can lock down in a heartbeat shouldn't we do that too it is indeed a brave new world after all james and looks like a lot of these situations, again, if there's a move to be made on the grand chessboard, places are making those moves. A skirmish in Galwan Valley, India and China's deadliest clash in more than 50 years, this coming from the diplomat. Weeks of tensions at several points along the Sino-Indian border broke into deadly clashes this week in the eastern Ladakh. Galwan Valley area. Don't worry, I included links to some maps. I had to look some of this up to get a little familiar with, with what we're talking about. Alongside an unknown number of Chinese casualties, at least 20 Indian troops were killed in a major brawl between the two sides, although details of the incident, which took place Monday night, June 15th, remain closely guarded. The deaths marked the first along this border in at least 45 years. The violent clash, which early Indian reports suggested, did not involve the use of any firearms, took place just days after reports in the Indian media suggested that the two sides had come to an agreement on a partial disengagement and had moved their armed forces back at several points along the border. So the site of this latest melee, the Galwan Valley, G-A-L-W-A-N, Galwan Valley, a flashpoint from the 1962 India-China War that's reemerged as a point of contention between the two sides starting in as far back as May of 2020. Like most of the terrain along this sector, it is high altitude and inhospitable. The Diplomat.com says this makes clear that this is the most serious incident along the Sino Indian border since 1967, when the two sides last had a major skirmish resulting in scores of deaths. And uh, like I said, I'll include some links to just look at the Galwan Valley and the Galwan River and, and how this sort of sits, again, on the grand chessboard. So, James, basically, that's that's one way to do things. But I I guess I like this other way much better. It's a lot showier. North Korea blows up South Korea joint office in rebuke of Seoul. North Korea blew up an inter-Korean liaison office on its side of the border in an explosive rebuke to Seoul, South Korea, that appeared designed to draw maximum global attention with little immediate risk of war. Whereas, I would say that first story that we talked about is actual war with zero coverage and nobody paid attention to it. The move represented North Korea's most serious provocation in years and follows an escalating series of threats against South Korean President Moon Jae-in's government. State-run Korean Central News Agency said in a statement that the office, the most concrete achievement from a series of summits between the two Koreas in 2018 was tragically ruined with a terrific explosion. And we will include video of that explosion, James. One, did you watch the demolition footage? And two, I mean, I I periodically see World War III just, you know, trending along the sidebar with whatever maybe sports and TV news might be happening. It seems like it might be kind of getting close, eh?
0: Well, yes. One... Uh, I did see the footage, and I'll give it a 7 out of 10. It wasn't quite as entertaining and dramatic as uh, World Trade Center 7, but uh, there is a documentary airing on PBS uh, in the near future about World Trade Center 7, so we'll direct people in that direction if they want to see some... Exciting and interesting footage of building demolitions, uh, but secondarily uh, to your second question on regards in regards to World War Three, I really hope people will look at my last questions for Corbett. Uh, I think it's a particularly important one about the real nature of World War Three and what's happening. To address these issues that we're talking about here specifically, I uh, I hope that this puts to rest the uh, the retort of the. Uh, MAGA cap-wearing Trump supporters that, uh, oh, you know, it's a good thing that he's appointing uh, Bolton and all these neocons to his administration. Keep your enemies closer. Ha <laughs> ha. Whoa, it's 27 d, d chess, Yay. Uh, no, actually, no. That was a stupid move. It always was. And it just proves that he's just part of the same old boys club that's uh, working with the system. And this is exactly what you get from that. You, you ramp up in the media that North Korea is the biggest threat to human existence and is such a vital existential threat to the United States of America. Remember that? That hype about North Korea is going to strike any day, it's the worst situation ever, and then Trump holds his big summit and everything's taken care of, amazing diplomacy, yay. Fast forward a couple years. Oh, everything completely back to where it was. In fact, probably even worse than it was before. Why is that? Oh, that's right. Because you entered into these nuclear negotiations by saying, you better disarm. This is going to be a Libya-like situation, i.e., you guys disarm and then we come and invade and bomb your country to smithereens. They continued with the uh, war games with South Korea, continued the provocations. So North Korea has called it off in a very dramatic fashion to say, hey, we're not playing games here once again. Surprise, surprise. No, it comes as no surprise to absolutely anyone who's been keeping their eye on this situation. And this is the kind of uh, nonsense that that calls out the political blather and hot air of the Trump administration on so many issues. Um, it fails to deliver on absolutely anything. It's all just pomp and circumstance and show with nothing to show for it except for disaster and destruction. Secondarily, with regards to the India China border dispute, uh, if people really want to know what's going on here and what the background is, I did write about this recently in uh, an article on what is happening. Uh, What in the world is going on, is what I titled it. And I did go into the the background of this dispute and and why it's kicking off right now. But really, to, to really understand the context of this, I think you have to go back to my reporting on the Kashmir crisis last year. And this has to do with India trying to change the status quo in that extremely volatile region bordering Pakistan, bordering China. Uh, there there have been wars over this in the past, as you say. I think India is trying to return to some sort of pre-war status quo before China took over certain parts of that area and started controlling it, although India claims that it's highly, uh, un, un, highly disputed, shall we say. And I think this ties into previous moves that we've seen again, from the Trump administration to stick its nose into this situation and try to recast the entire geographical area as not the Asia Pacific, it's the Indo-Pacific, because our guys, the Indians, are going to re reorient everything, and we're going to put our lot in with them. I think uh, Modi is taking that to heart and saying, okay, I got, I got the U.S. backing, I'm going to go for it, and I think they're trying and pushing, and China is uh, going to push back. Uh, And so there is, I mean, it's a chaotic situation and a potentially very volatile one uh, that could escalate from here. Again, there have been wars in this area in the past, but the last time that happened half a century ago, these were not two nuclear superpowers. Now they are. So once again, I hope people will keep their eye on this situation. I think it's rather important.
1: I think it's really interesting, too, that India and China are both just the two greatest New World Order models of a completely tracked and traced populist national IDs, all that stuff. And again, it's some ways, this this fight, it almost makes me think of, well, do you want Brave New World or do you want 1984? That those essentially are kind of the, the choices there, James. Speaking of media, we move to our third and final story this week on New World Next Week, episode 412, Interview Most Foul. James, I added a little extra title to this. Bob Dylan and the New York Times effect on man. This coming, of course, from the fantastic offguardian.org site. Imagine this, a so-called presidential historian for a major television network publishes an interview in the most famous newspaper in the world with the most famous singer-songwriter in the world, who's recently written an explosive song accusing the U.S. government of a conspiracy in the assassination of the most famous modern American president. And the interviewer never asks the singer about the specific allegations in the song, except to ask him if he was surprised the song reached number one on the Billboard hit list and other musical and cultural references that have nothing to do with the assassination. Well, imagine no more, for that is exactly what Douglas Brinkley which, of course, is one of those names you hear in the news through all those generations, CNN's presidential historian. That's what he did with his June 12th interview with Bob Dylan in the New York Times. And the quote, of course, murder most foul is from Hamlet when the ghost comments about his own death. Murder most foul, as in the best it is, but this most foul, strange and unnatural. So, James, basically, Bob Dylan put out a new song a couple months ago about the Kennedy assassination, And on my radio stream, we've actually played and spun all, there's actually three new Bob Dylan songs that have come out over the last couple of months. So there's Murder Most Foul was the first biggie. And it got, I mean, massive mainstream coverage. Everybody was falling all over themselves to talk about a new Bob Dylan song. It was his first new music actually in a few years, his first original music in several years. The other two songs, in addition to Murder Most Foul, are called False Prophet and I Contain Multitudes, both just chock full of biblical and literary references. James, it's also kind of funny in a way. Murder Most Foul, specifically, sounds like an old man reading off lists of things. Or we even joked in the chat that he thinks he's talking to his digital assistant. Play play Misty for it. Play this. So while he's singing extensively about one of the biggest true crime conspiracies of all time, I couldn't help but feel like, and again, this is what we kind of talked about, discussed in the chat while playing this massive song. It almost feels like he's trying to conjure up some parapolitical hoodoo against Orange Man Bad, some sort of new King Kill 33 scenario, if you will. And it is, of course, the purge election year after all. And James, we were wondering, again, it seems like another situation where historians, researchers, and legendary singer-songwriters can only see conspiracies against their precious fake left figureheads. Uh, Also, did we mention that the Bob Dylan Murder Most Foul song is 17 (laughs) minutes
0: long? James, have you listened to this monster? I have, actually, Uh, as a piece of music, not particularly compelling, but it was interesting to listen to once. I'm not sure how many times I'm going to put it on repeat, but I, I would recommend if people are interested at all in JFK and or Robert Zimmerman. They should probably check this out. Um, but I, uh, I hope people will also check out this article that we're linking up by Edward Curden at Off Guardian, where he, I think, rightly deconstructs that interview and goes through the, the absurdity of it, of having this CNN presidential historian interviewing Robert Zimmerman with his new music and about the JFK assassination and completely sidestepping that issue. But perhaps that should not be so surprising. And I, I'm going to bet, it seems to me, Curtin is probably a Zimmerman fan. I am not. Uh, so I do not have any sort of rose-tinted glasses on here. Uh, the obvious question should be... The, the, the fact that the CNN presidential historian in the New York Times is doing a whitewash of some sort of JFK revelations from this singer is not surprising. What is surprising is that, again, should Zimmerman be taken at face value, for waiting 57 years to say anything of substance about this event that supposedly, I mean, one would assume was exceptionally important and uh, informative to himself. And he waits 57 years to say anything at all. And then... Agrees to an interview with CNN's presidential story in the New York Times and just meekly answers the questions as they come and doesn't doesn't try to push back, doesn't try to insert any of this into the narrative. No, that takes all the agency away from Zimmerman. He was the one who was directing all of this. So, I think again, don't give him so much credit for. Wow, he's bravely coming out 57 years later to talk about JFK. Yeah, no, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with John Lennon on this one. I don't believe in Zimmerman. Absolutely.
1: I've never I've never really been a big Dylan fan. I have my only and favorite Bob Dylan album uh, put on the shelf there behind me. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is something I talk about with a lot of contemporary artists who literally spent the last decade not releasing anything. And then suddenly, I don't know what happened the last four years, suddenly lit a fire under their ass and they've got to act like they've again, this is I think the same thing that the COVID riots are or the same thing as the overreaction to the hideousness of Swamp Thing, let's not, of course, sidestep that. But it is this sort of overreaction from folks who, again, didn't really do much for pretty much a decade and now are, of course, you know, freaking out and overdoing it. Bob Dylan's sophomore out, al- his second album, came out in 1963. As you point out, he's had quite a bit of opportunity to maybe discuss the Kennedy assassination again. That's why I feel like he's just sort of bringing up election year hoodoo. And again, he, he ain't no amateur at that. Remember, t- going, going Christian is a long tried-true thing, long long before Kanye did it. James, as we wrap up this episode, I'll mention we have lots of long conversations about music and pop culture in the media monarchy community. Sidebar, I'm also covering all the craziness now popping off down here in New Mexico. You got obelisks, you got people robbing the Epstein Ranch, ancient symbols, helter-skelter, plus, of course, my usual mix of news, music, memes, and or streaming live Monday through Friday, nine to five mountain time. I would love people's support. Again, James, I think the the Chrysotunity of the age of medical martial law has seen a boost, I think, in alternative media. And maybe in some ways, maybe I'm giving it too much credit and it's just, again, a part of the whole election year ups and downs. But when things get crazy, I think we definitely see, again, you and I have been doing this for quite some time. I'll have my 15th anniversary of Media Monarchy coming up in just a couple of months. When things get crazy, people want to find sources that Again, not saying they believe every single word we say, everything we say is included in your show notes so you can continue the research for yourself. But I think we've got a pretty good track record of fear-free, ad-free information for folks. And again, I hope people will come check it out. MediaMonarchy.com slash join. As little as a dollar a
0: month, I think, keeps us going and growing, as I like to say. James. Well, James, I'm pretty sure we've managed to say things that will offend all sorts of different people in this edition, let alone every other edition of New World next week. And we're going to be back at it doing it again next week. So I hope people will stay tuned. At any rate, talk to you again next week. Thanks, buddy. Take care.